We started culturally speaking to indulge our curiosity about the way others live and a desire to inspire conversations about how we have far more in common than we realise. I'm Alison Tedford. I am a consultant in Abbotsford, BC, Canada, and I work on diversity and inclusion issues and help brands communicate their values. I'm also an author and e-commerce founder. I think one of the pivotal moments for me was when I finally realized why I had been having health challenges for so many years. I was diagnosed with a connective tissue disorder and that realization of what all of these symptoms meant and what the trajectory of the condition can look like meant that I had to really seriously think about how I was running my business, how I was showing up as a mom, and how I was living my life. So I really had to reevaluate what was working and what wasn't working and find a way to make things work with what I have, knowing that it wasn't a matter of like, I just have to try harder, I just have to push past this, like I had to realize what the reality of the situation was and figure out how to work with it. Before I realized what was wrong with me from a health perspective, I I was struggling a lot with symptoms, uh, like my hands were swelling, I was in a lot of pain, I was tired, I couldn't think clearly, and I just was having so much of a hard time. And because I didn't know why, I was having these challenges. I was blaming myself a lot. I was second guessing myself because nobody could seem to figure out what was wrong. So I was wondering like, is this all in my head? And um, I started thinking about like, is there things that I'm doing that's causing this? Like, do I need to just do things differently? Um, And so there was a lot of frustration and sadness and desperation because I wanted to show up differently in life and I just didn't know why I couldn't and I didn't know what was getting in the way. And I felt like if we could figure out what was wrong, then we could fix it. That was my hope. And the challenge was when I was diagnosed, it was like not something you fix. It's something you live with. And I never considered that possibility. Like it never occurred to me. I thought like you find out what's wrong and you fix it. Like that's how it works. And to walk away with just like a loose plan as to how to manage things was not really what I hoped for. I thought that I could just like get better. Um, So definitely um, having to innovate around the challenge wasn't on my radar at all. And it was just like, I still deal with grief from that um, because I just had a lot of hope that things would be different eventually. And they're just not. Um, And having to come to peace with that has been one of the bigger challenges in working through things. I would say one of the bigger challenges was that, you know, I'm still needing to be a mom. I still have to take care of my son. I still have to run my business. I still have to make money so we can live. Um, I still have dreams and goals and aspirations for myself. I still need connection and I still need to find ways to enjoy living in my body and find, you know, pleasure and happiness. Um, and within all of the scope of all of those things that I have to do. So definitely, you know, there is an element of the show must go on, but also a recognition that like it can't go on in the same way. And so finding that middle ground of like, 
I still have to figure out what to do about this, but I can't keep going like nothing's wrong because something's wrong. Finding out what was wrong made a huge difference because I could finally get people's ideas to problem solve things. Like I knew there were specific symptoms that I was problem solving around, but without a, a label to hang it on, I really faced barriers in finding other people who had similar challenges. So when I knew what was wrong, then I could join Facebook groups for people who had my condition. I could find people like me on Twitter. I could ask like, hey, what do you do when you have this challenge? And other people who have been dealing with this and knowing they've been dealing with this or have found ways to innovate around it even before they knew what was wrong um, was such a great feeling. And also being able to find community and and people who understood and people who would be like, I get it, because it can be very isolating to have um, ongoing health challenges that people don't necessarily understand, particularly when you have a rare disease. And I mean, I'm not sure necessarily that it's rare. I think it's rarely diagnosed. I think there's lots of people probably who have it and don't realize it. Because the reality is, is that when you have a systemic condition, you learn how to live with it over time, even if you don't know what you're accommodating. So I think that a lot of people don't necessarily reach out because we're just so conditioned to accept the reality and we don't always dream that it could be different. So definitely realizing what was wrong meant I could, I could get more help for myself and I could do more research. And I found that I can only do a little bit of research at a time because it's really upsetting. And when I realize all of the dynamics, it's just, it's a lot to take in. So I do little bits and bites here and there and try to learn more about ways that I can support myself better and try and learn about what all of the implications are so that I'm more ready and so that I can plan for the future. I was diagnosed, initially the language that was used was joint hypermobility syndrome and complex regional pain syndrome. And the year that I was diagnosed, rheumatologists moved away from a joint hypermobility syndrome diagnosis to hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome um, because the two conditions are clinically the same, essentially. Um, and the other piece that I uncovered later um, was mast cell activation syndrome. And that's something that I've been accommodating on my own. I mean, they really, they told me like, you need to work less, you need to type less, you need to be less stressed out, you need to eat better, you need to drink lots of water, you need to sleep more, you need to do small amounts of activity, like even like five minutes on an exercise bike. Um, you need to restrict your exercise to low impact things like walking, exercise, bike, or swimming. Um, and later I found that like recommending swimming shows a really fundamental lack of understanding of like how water pressure impacts joints. So that's something that really does need to be approached with a lot of caution. Um, and they basically said, you know, like you, they showed me some pictures of what could happen to my joints if I overuse them and said, you know, like, this is why you need to listen and not do what you're doing. You need to slow down. And, you know, they also talked about um, 
my plan for my family and how maybe having more children wouldn't be necessarily recommended because of all of the pregnancy complications and childbirth complications. So that was another realization. Like I thought I still had time to do that if I chose and realizing that it wasn't the best idea was really um, heartbreaking in that moment. And cause I didn't know if I was necessarily going to pick that, but I wanted a choice. And they also basically just said, we can tell you what your condition is, but we can't tell you how to live with it. And you're going to have to Google <laughs> basically and learn from other people because there isn't a lot available and there isn't a lot of treatment options that are available necessarily either. And they, they came up with a plan to give my doctor to say, you know, if you see this, then this is something that could be considered, but this is kind of what baseline maintenance is going to look like. And they basically said, we need to figure out how to set up your life so that we can reduce your pain so that you don't end up on opioids for the rest of your life, because this is going to be the rest of your life. So that was kind of helpful context to have like a long view of like, I need to figure out what I need to do because this is how it is. Um, and the challenge was when you go into these appointments and they have this big checklist and they're like, well, do you have trouble with this or do you have trouble with that? And it's like, well, no, I would never think to attempt those things because once upon a time I had trouble with it. And now I like, I, I don't pick up and try and pour from a four liter jug of milk. Like that would be crazy. I get small jugs, right? Cause I know, Oh, well, do you have trouble dressing yourself? Well, no, because I stopped using buttons and zippers long ago because I have a tremor. And if I did that, it would take me a lot longer to get dressed. So the way they score severity of impact sometimes ignores the fact that we've already life hacked our way around all of these things. And there are other things that when you don't even know that this condition exists or what it includes, there are things you don't think to mention because you don't realize they're related because your body has just always been that way. So there are lots of things that I walked away, Googled and went, Oh my gosh, all of these other things are related too. And I didn't get to mention that because I didn't know anything about this condition when I walked in the door. In a lot of ways, I'm grateful I was diagnosed later in life because I got to do a lot of things that I wouldn't have attempted if I had known this was a problem. Like I may, I may not have chosen to have a child and I have an amazing 13 year old who I love very much. So I'm really grateful that I found out after him because who knows what choice I would have made in that without the information that I like, I can be a mom and I can be successful. And yes, the pregnancy was hard and the delivery was difficult and not not straightforward. Um, but I did get through it. I just wouldn't necessarily attempt that again. Um, but I used to teach pole dance for fitness, which I loved. And, you know, it was so fun to be able to like climb up and hang upside down and do all these things. And I remember my massage therapist telling me, maybe you shouldn't do this. And I was just like, Oh, like, what do you mean? And it was really outside the scope of practice for him to really say anything more than that. So I get it. He just encouraged me to make safe choices. And then, cause he could tell in doing my massage, what was wrong, but it wasn't his place. And when I finally figured out what was going on that, and the doctor was like, maybe don't hang upside down by joints that could dislocate and drop you on your head. And so that was kind of a buzzkill. And I used to do Zumba and I loved it, but you know, I can't do high impact exercise anymore. So 
there's a lot of things that I, I lost in that when I realized I had to be kinder to my body. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that there's, there's a lot of things that I would do differently if I didn't have this holding me back. But in a lot of ways, I'm really grateful. Like it forces me to innovate every day. It forces me to be in the habit of being creative. It forces me to figure out easier and faster ways to do things. Because if you can do things the same way everyone else does, then you don't find faster ways of doing things because it's not a constraint. But once you introduce a constraint, you have to problem solve around and you have an opportunity to evolve your practices. And that's something that I find from like where I put my shoes to how I write a book, right? If I could have sat there and typed the whole thing, but I dictated my book um, and I wouldn't have thought to do that before. Um, and I would have had really sore hands even if I didn't have this condition. So I found easier ways to do things that I wouldn't have thought to look for if I wasn't constrained by other factors. I did a piece for Asparagus Magazine about access to healthcare issues for Indigenous women, and I was fortunate that I didn't face race-related challenges in accessing services, but I know it's something that other women experience. Um, I found that the, the reality is when you have a connective tissue disorder, there's a lot of things that are wrong because it's systemic. So... You end up going to the doctors with this laundry list of problems and people look at you like you're a hypochondriac or you're hypersensitive or you're a whiner. And it's really hard to not take that on. And sometimes I felt like that might have gotten in the way of being taken seriously because there was just so many things going on and they were like, well, like you're the common denominator and maybe it's just the way you're experiencing things. But when we realized like, oh, actually, like all of those things were happening because this common thread of really crappy collagen is the thing that was causing all of these things to be wrong. So it was kind of like, it was like those aha moments when you like at the end of a mystery and you you look back and there's all these clues that you didn't realize had context and so it was really kind of like those moments where you're waking up at three o'clock in the morning, like, this is why my belly ring never healed, <laughs> or this is why my asthma was so bad, or this is why I still have scars from that thing when I was six. So yeah, I think, I mean, I don't feel like my race is a reason that um, my treatment and um, diagnosis was delayed, but I do think that a lot of the fears around being um, stereotyped held me back from pushing harder. And when I did finally go in and, and push and say, you know, like I, I just felt like they were going to feel that because of my being overweight, that would be the conversation and that they wouldn't look any further. So when I sat down with the locum and I explained, like I said, you know, I, I could stand to lose some weight at this point in my life, but I think there's something else happening too. And I think we should explore if I am both fat and have something wrong with me and figure it out from there. And she was really gracious about it and encouraging and supportive and just said, yes, of course, let's do this. So it was not as scary as I thought it would be, but after so many years of people kind of 
patting me on the head about things. I just felt like I was feeling really discouraged and like maybe I would never get an answer. I think for people who've been diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos or might think they have it, I think it's important to keep in mind that everything is on a spectrum and that, you know, you might have this diagnosis and you might have the, the symptoms you have now might be as, as bad as it gets, um, you know, or you might have a whole different experience um, or you might find something that makes the symptoms less difficult. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard. And, and I think that it's safe to trust the, your own narrative of your experience. And it's okay to say that it's hard. It's not about being negative. Uh, it's about being realistic and noticing the mess and just understand that there are other people out there who have the same struggles and who will understand and to find your community and people like you because it's hard to do it alone and you don't have to do it alone. So it, it's not, it's not worth making it harder on yourself when you don't need to. I have hope for the future when I think about research that's happening, when I think about all of the things that are being discovered, like in the past couple years since I was diagnosed, they found a whole like other organ in the body called the interstition, which is under your skin, the whole length of your body. And it's like this cushion of collagen. And when you think about like, well, why do I hurt from head to toe? Well, because there's this whole thing underneath that is full of this stuff that isn't made properly. So the more they can discover things like this, the more we'll understand what's happening. And so I'm hopeful that they'll keep even accidentally finding clues that will make life better for everybody. I would say that the medical team that ultimately found a solution and the people that have supported my wellness over the years approached my care with the best of intentions and all of the information available to them. And the reality is that connective tissue disorders are very misunderstood and underdiagnosed because people don't necessarily think of them. And it's not because they're bad at their jobs or anything. And they have to approach every patient with the balance of probabilities in mind. So everyone was doing what they could with what they had in the moment and everybody did everything they could when more information became available. So I'm really very fortunate to have had the practitioners that I've had in my life and I'm just very thankful. And it's been a long road for all of us and I think we've all learned a lot of things through this and we all bring our own perspectives as to what is hard and what is manageable and I know what I see in my life, but doctors see all sorts of ranges, a whole spectrum of people who have conditions that are like annoying versus like life threatening. And so their perspective will be a lot different because they have a lot more data points to consider. So I think that I'm very lucky to have had the support that I have, even if it feels frustrating that it took so long. Um, I think that's something that hopefully will be better in the future as we raise more awareness about this condition. And the reality is there's 13 different types of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's not like an easy thing. And there's so much like overlap and 
like it's it's hard to know what is going on, especially for something like this, and especially when there's so little research. So um, I think that we definitely need to give credit to doctors who are working really hard to support people with conditions that science hasn't caught up with yet. Currently, I rate my life satisfaction probably at about an eight or a, eight out of ten. I have found ways to manage things. I have found that in reducing my stress level, my pain is a lot lower. I've found ways to work that are more supportive of my wellness. And I've been able to achieve some really exciting things this year, despite my condition and maybe because of it. Um, so I definitely am very satisfied with life. And while there are lots of like cry on the floor moments, there's lots of moments of joy and it's finding balance between the two and, and figuring out how to keep going is, is kind of what's key for me in terms of feeling deeply satisfied with life. Subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Culturally Speaking Podcast. You can also check out our website, culturallyspeaking.co.uk, for a transcript of this episode. Share your stories or your show ideas with us by sending us an email at theculturallyspeaking at gmail.com.